dry run podcast the podcast where we have no set structure or topic uh, we just kind of change week to week my name is sam and i'm here alongside tim and nathaniel hey guys hello the podcast where we have no mouths <laughs> <laughs> what i don't know it's like the matrix where they like they're like well mr anderson and then they like remove his mouth and he's like mm, 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 mm. and then they put the bug and yeah like, it like goes in his belly button and, yeah you know. yes yes so so that's us that's the yeah it's the pod and yeah just us going mm, mm, mm. <laughs> no i was i was thinking that one week it would be fun instead like on opposite day, instead of doing a podcast, we should release a silent film because it's the opposite <laughs> of a podcast. Oh, you mean uh, like just a just opposite o- a- pay? <laughs> what? Oh, oh so yes, I'm on fire. Like, o- we, we, o- could, uh, we could, we could, you know, make a little little film. Yeah, just a little short, short silent film, black and white. We can have title cards, you know, to drive the action, but yeah. Yeah, and then we just don't talk, and I don't know how we would... Uh, what if we would just... Re- well, maybe I we could we, read the title card out loud. can talk, and then you just cut the audio out, and then you have... That makes it easier to have wild gesticulating... Oh, oh, for sure, yeah. when you're filming it, of course. Yeah, we gotta definitely throw a woman on some train tracks that's a staple of silent film, at least the silent film stuff that I've seen. There's always a woman on some train tracks. Um, yeah, dastardly deeds are a yeah. staple of silent film. Snidely whiplash types... Or uh, super long racist movies like Birth of a Nation. Yeah, <laughs> didn't that when? Uh, how long was the original Birth of How long was the original Birth of a Nation? Uh, it was pretty long. Let's see. The new Birth of a Nation did win awards, though. That's true. Wait, the new one? Yeah, the new one. There's a new movie called Birth of a Nation, and then there's an old Ku Klux Klan propaganda movie called Birth of a Nation. Yeah, I think I think that won Best Picture. Were the Oscars a thing back then? I don't know. It may have won. It may still have won Best Picture. I, guess I think we'll... it did. You should try to look that up too while you're uh, while you're tip The Birth of a there. Nation, nineteen fifteen, by D. W. Griffith. Jesus. So you, you know it's going to be racist. Just after breakfast. Wait, nineteen fifteen. Sorry, that doesn't work with like I don't know. A lot of people will like try to remember remember the Magna Carta twelve fifteen. They'll be like just after lunch, but like that didn't work in this case. So mm, 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 mm. well, now, Mr. Anderson, it seems that uh, we're gonna fuck you in this room. <laughs> <laughs> seems that my pants have. Become unzipped. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like you're trapped in here, Mr. Anderson. Nowhere to run. You may not have a mouth anymore, Mr. Anderson, but mine still works great. Um, I don't think it won best picture looking at um it, but it was the first film to be screened in the White House in oh, maybe that's what I was thinking 2019. Of. No, I'm just kidding. So our critics don't have um, good taste, but our you know 
our, our citizens know. Wait, sorry. I mean, our critics know to not give it uh, awards, but the president will gladly watch it. Oh, I forgot to even say how long it was. That's why I looked it up in the first place. The Ku Klux Klan had close to 20 million members around that point as well. It was a very popular organization. It was three hours and 13 minutes. 12 reels, which at the time was a pretty uh, sizable. Jesus, could you imagine watching a fucking slideshow for fucking (laughs) three and a half hours? well, Well, people would go in theaters and it was like your one ticket would... Like they would want them to be long, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, you dress up like a dandy man. More, uh, more bang for your buck, I guess. Uh, the yes. your girl would be in a hoop skirt, and then you'd go in, and uh, you know, you'd sit down in the back, and you might just fall asleep during that. I don't know. <laughs> you sound like you're falling asleep. What right the fuck now? are you talking about? <laughs> no idea what we're talking <laughs> about. But do you? Was there? Uh, how many intermissions were there? Do you think there was one? I don't know. There's a sizable Wikipedia that I don't want to read through right now. Just fuck that movie. I think the people want you to read the Wikipedia. It's like the American Mein Kampf of movies. It's true. So, in other news, uh, I wanted to tell you guys about a harrowing experience I had the other day. <laughs> How was this news? <laughs> 1915. <laughs> Another day. Breaking news. Um, so, the other day, it would have been a couple days ago, Thursday. So, uh, and this kind of ties into what we're talking about today. So around 4.45, uh, Tim here called me to uh, see if I could help him because his car was stuck in the driveway. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I set my phone down, grabbed my coat, my shoes, raced outside, helped him, helped him get out. It was just, just need a little push. And then like Oh Rocky Rocky. Yeah. And then like you you like kept stopping to like talk to me and I was like, No man, just go. You gotta just go. Yeah, well and part of the other problem is that, that Prius has super, super frustrating skid traction control and if it detects any ice at all, it'll just like lock up and sometimes not go when you have your foot like hard down on the gas. Like I've literally, I like, there are a couple times where I was at like intersections and it was like super icy on the road or snowy or something, or I just had tons of snow on my tires and the sensors were picking that up and I would like, you know, try to accelerate and the car would just not go, not go. And people behind me would like start honking and it's like, I am literally flooring it right now, man. <laughs> like my car just, just picture you just screaming not, out of the, out just, of the window of the Prius. Like I'm fucking trying. Uh, thank, thankfully, me. no. I'm just chilling in there and thinking, "Oh God, I really hope this goes." But uh, uh, fucking Prius. That's probably man. why. That's probably why people buy like snow tires. I was wondering, like the other day, like what percentage of people, like in the Midwest, like especially around here, actually have like a set of snow tires that they like switch out, like you know, every year. I feel like you got to be a car guy to I, do that. Yeah, I think I think a good amount of people. But anyway, so Tim, I, I'm like, go, man, just go. You got to go. So he like peeled out of the alleyway, and I and me in my in my light coat and sweatpants start walking back toward the house, through the back door, and I open the door and get to the second door, and it is locked. The, <laughs> the door is locked. I didn't anticipate that that. Uh, knob the thing would be turned <laughs> tim's just peeling out you're just watching him leave 
well yeah he left and i like ran outside and i was like oh fuck and then i (laughs) i feel my coat pockets i don't have my phone i don't have my keys i have my wallet i don't have a mask and i was like like i i walked over to the grocery store that's close to our house to see if that's maybe where he was going because i had no idea where he was going so i walked over there didn't see him came back tried the front door which i knew was locked but I was able to get on the porch and look into the my room and I could see my keys and my phone right there and I could just see <laughs> like them. through that little window. Yeah, so and I, I was just in sweatpants, a t-shirt, and a light coat. And I was like, fuck. No phone, what you am said? I, no, no, no phone, no keys, no mask. So I couldn't go to any public <laughs> place. And so I'm outside and I'm walking around I would have instantly house. just built it, started building an igloo. Like, all right, this yeah. is my only chance no, for survival. No, it was... It was I, <laughs> I looked at all the... It was it, cold out. It was 20 degrees when I got back inside. Um, so I was outside and I was able to That's get... Fahrenheit for anyone who's, uh, yeah. you know, on the metric, anyone who's reasonable. <laughs> for yeah. all you reasonable people. Um, so I was able to get into the back door, which there's a small, like, I, Tim has referred to it as a mud room. It's like where shoes are. Thankfully, I had several coats hanging in there. So I was cold, so I put another coat on and then was like at the back door and I was like, oh, I can, I need to check the windows. So I put in, so I put the coat on and started walking around, like trying to see if windows were open. And I was just walking around our house. I got onto the porch, was trying to like figure out a way in. Yeah. Cause, like, you, cause from each side, I'm just realizing you have, you have two doors. Yeah. And I was, eight, I was able to get on the porch. Uh-huh. For that. I was able to get through the first door of both. The first doors, layer of security. But then but the, second the second one. And this yeah. one has a deadbolt. That one is just a knob. So then I'm walking around and I had put a different coat on. And now I'm like trying to get into windows. Nice. And then I went to the back door and I was even colder. So I put a third coat on. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, and then like waiting in that room, just looking out the window, waiting for Tim to you get probably, back. Like, homeless as shit. Just like three coats on. Like, yeah. Opening I, no. And then, and then I, and then I was like, fuck, like, no, there's gotta be a way in. So I walked around the house again and then I was like, oh, I'm like lurking around this house. Looks like I'm putting disguises on <laughs> <laughs> and trying to get into the house. <laughs> So I just kind of was defeated. I had to go to the bathroom so bad. <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom like, like you had to pee or yeah. Or did you have to take a you had to take a trump? <laughs> um. So then I'm in that little back room, just staring out the window at where Tim parks in the driveway, staring at the toilet, looking, looking for a bucket. <laughs> no, just I I considered peeing outside, but uh. And so I'm just staring out this window like a like a crazy person, like staring for Tim. And every time a car would go by, I didn't have my glasses either. So I'm like, that's got to be him. That's, where were you going? That's totally him. Yeah, I actually don't wait, know where. Wait, so what day was this? This was Thursday. You left for an hour and 15 minutes. I know because I, I probably just I was ran, trying to calculate just, how long I was outside. Some miscellaneous errands. But so essentially, and then. And I can see the kitchen clock, so I can watch the time tick away. And I stood in that room for <laughs> for forty five minutes, <laughs> and my my cat oh my is inside God. and like freaking out because I'm like trying to open the door, and he's like staring at me like, "What what's going on?" What the and fuck? like and then I was I was losing my mind. I didn't have a book. If I had a book, I would have been fine. If I had anything, I would have been fine. But I was just losing my mind in that little room. And then I looked in my pocket again, and I had my wallet. 
So I took out a gift card and started putting it in the crack of the door because it's just a handle. Mm-hmm. Oh, and nice. Yeah, for, just a little twisty. For 10 minutes, I did that, trying to twist the handle and doing it. And after 10 minutes, I was able to to have it force open. I was nice. able to get, like, like it didn't, it wasn't like a damaging thing, but I was able to get it where the, you know how it's like a triangle thing? Like yeah. Like the things that latch into it. Yeah. I was able to get under it and open it. And Holy it shit. And then I got in and I was so cold. I <laughs> I, I, I I got in the shower God. and took a shower. Took a dump in the shower. No, I took a I took a like a like a warm shower. And then when I got out, Tim was back and I was like, I won't I won't tell him <laughs> what the that this happened. Fuck? But uh but yeah, so that that door um it, people can break in, so definitely deadbolt the first okay, one. Because so that, I, that, I, that was why you mentioned the deadbolt the other day. <laughs> that is why I meant. Well, I mean, I the door was uh, open, and yeah, you had yeah. yeah. Okay, that's but true. Uh, but yeah, that it was it was it was me saying that without saying that because I was gonna save it for the pod. I was gonna, oh, but now hilarious. Based on what we're talking about today, I'm starting to think that this house doesn't like me. Mm. And I think it might have been the house. I can feel it. I can, yeah, I can feel that it I hate, th- fucking hates I think you. this new might, studio doesn't it like it. Just be me, and the plot it's... thickens. Today, I went to take a shower. I turned the faucet and no water came out. And I was like, what the fuck? And I stood there for two, three minutes, turning it on and off. No water was coming out. And then I ran downstairs to tell Tim and he came upstairs with me and he turned it on and the water started. It started going. And it like I felt like an idiot, but I think this well, house no, hates me. The logical explanation for that is that for some reason, for a split second yesterday, the power died, and when that happened, it probably fucking did something to the water pumps in the house. And so then, when you had to run the shower again, it was like there's nothing. There was just like air in the pipe or some shit. And then after you ran it for a couple, like a little bit, you gave up. And then when you like brought me back up and i did it it was already ready to go because you'd been running it and then i turned it on and it just worked that seems too that seems too perfect yeah pretty far-fetched there tim that's yeah quite i mean a lot would have to go wrong at the same time for that to happen that sounds i think it's way more plausible that this house does not like me Mm -hmm. Hmm. i can feel it but like i alluded to we're we're here for something different Today we're actually back. Not a, to, we're not here for a haunting. We're well, potentially, but we're we're going back. We're to here our, to we're here to to watch you take a shower and make sure nothing spooky happens. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I've been way too scared to shower. So if you guys can just yeah. So so I mean so that's crazy that you were like locked in a house like that because yeah, for, like, that's, for an that's hour and then you got back ten minutes after I was able to break in <laughs> like, yeah that's, that's insane it was very there bizarre was, there was one time where i what if you got in and tim was in the house like in the i i kept i kept thinking i actually walked around the house once because i thought i heard him come in the front door oh wow okay. but i think it was just the cat that was freaking out <laughs> yeah so at a place that i used to rent i uh it had like this very very heavy front door that would like lock always automatically when you were uh when it shut and you had to prop it open otherwise it would it would lock just every single time there's no way to prevent it and um i usually was aware of this and we had like a brick set aside but there were some times where you just forget and i went to like 
go take the trash out one morning, I think. And I was literally just in my boxers and I think like no shirt. I don't think I had my phone. I was just like in my boxers and it was like some morning. And I don't know why I decided that that was appropriate to just like go outside of my house like that. Oh, and, and you but got locked out in your boxers. Is this the same time you, sh- you shit in your boxers outside? <laughs> No, it's not oh. the same time. No, okay. but I got locked outside in just my boxers, and like I, I, I don't think I had my phone on me, but maybe I did. But I just remember I was like stuck outside for like fucking like an hour and a half, and it was like summer. Like I'm glad it was summer. I mean, shit. I don't know what I would have done if it wasn't. Like, yeah, I think I think you just need to not go outside in your boxers. Bad stuff happens. People I lived with were all in class. Like, yeah, that's it's the second uh, misfortune that has happened to you in your boxers outside of your house <laughs> in Madison. <laughs> but this week we are here to talk about something even spookier. It is January. Fuck you. <laughs> it is January. And so we've got a little something we're calling Halloween in January. I like how you you had to make sure that they knew it was January. <laughs> it's January, yeah, so yeah, we're yeah. doing yeah. Right now it is January. You know what that means? Halloween in January, baby. So this this is kind of a spin-off or a follow-up to our October movie month we did called Monster Movie Month, which you would think would be horror movies, but in fact it was only about one or one and a half horror movies that we did. Um, but we we like horror movies, so we kind of, uh, you know, deprived ourselves for that. So uh, we're, we're, we're going to do it in January. Halloween in January. Uh, a, a BoJack Horseman <coughs> joke is where the root of that name is from. Oh, uh, I had no idea. Yeah, Todd, Todd has Halloween the in idea. July, isn't it, for nope, him? it's Halloween oh. in January. Okay. The the storefront with no floor. Uh, and Andrew yeah, Garfield. That's a great show. It. Did you guys finish it yet? Yeah, I I, I finished it. But let's uh, we got a we got a pretty uh, meaty and long episode, so I think we should get into it. Girthy. Uh, so this for our for our first episode of Halloween in January, we may do another movie at the end of the month. But uh, we're watching a movie that we have all not seen, and we tried to do one. That is a classic horror movie that it's almost uh, kind of weird we haven't seen. And we kind of had a list for each other and we went through which ones we hadn't seen. So the movie that we decided on is uh, uh, Poltergeist, a 1982 film by Tobe Hooper. It's pronounced Poltergeist. Poltergeist. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's debatable. I don't know. Is it Poltergeist or Poltergeist? I know how it's spelled. Poltergeist. 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 I've heard poltergeist. That sounds like poultry. Poultry ghost. Yeah. That, maybe not, that's what I'm thinking of, it's actually. It's not a chicken ghost. Poultry ghost. So, poltergeist. We watched it, and we uh, hadn't seen it before, but uh, it was uh, watching it. I, You know, I... A little Steven Spielberg biz. Yeah, he wrote it. Didn't direct it, but he wrote it. Because he was not allowed to direct it. He was working on E.T. at the time, and he had a thing in his contract that said he wasn't allowed to direct anything else until E.T. came out. Ah. And Poltergeist came out two weeks after. Ah, interesting. I, I didn't know that tidbit. 
But uh, Tobe Hooper, a, a, a Texan filmmaker, director, he did uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, Texas was it Tobe Ch- or Toby? Tobe. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Tobe. Yep. Kind of like toe, but with a B in it. Uh, yeah, B between the O and the E. Um, but yeah, so Poltergeist... Uh, so maybe uh, let's get into it. I think I th- I had never seen it, but I definitely in pop culture there's some references to it. That watching the film, I was like, oh yeah, that's totally where it's from. A notable one, Scary Movie Two. They have a a clown doll. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Everybody remembers, uh, you know, the classic urban legend from the childhood about the babysitter and the clown statue. So that probably comes from the clown doll. Yeah, perhaps. Um, so the film opens, we get some opening credits, uh, over a, uh, it's zoomed in on a television, like a CRT television. So you can really see when it's zoomed in, you can really see like almost like the pixels. Uh, I don't, I guess I don't, I'm sure there's some other name for it. I was actually looking up yeah, how, just a, a fuzz, you how, know? A, how a CRT works recently but uh apparently didn't stick in my head sounds it's a rear projection uh cathode ray tube yep yep that's why they call it the boob tube comes from the t and crt is for tube uh so we we open with a zoomed in television playing the star spangled banner and this is actually something that used to happen uh before all of us uh, were born, but uh, televisions were not twenty four seven, and they would run for a while. And at the around like two a.m., three a.m., when the programming would stop, they would do a patriotic send off where they would play the Star Spangled Banner and show some like patriotic stuff, and then the the feed would cut, and, and then would they would hail Hitler, and it would end, and it would just go to static, like a snowstorm. Uh, looking thing. Did you guys? Did you guys? Uh, uh, oh, feel, feel? so that's why there was this fucking static channel. I thought she was just going to a channel that didn't have like programming on. No, it's okay. a, it's a normal channel, and at a certain point in the night, they sign off for the night. Okay, that's what the page. Okay, okay, yep. that makes a lot yep. more sense. Did you guys uh, uh, have have cringes when you when you heard the uh, the Star Spangled Banner? I did. I was like, yeah. oh man, like, I don't want to hear this shit right now. <laughs> oh yeah, with the uh, current political climate. Yeah. With the, which is uh, a topic for another day. But. Storming of the Capitol. The first time uh, when this comes out, there may be a second one, but we will see. Yeah, yep. and hopefully the police are ready that time, because they sure as shit weren't ready the first time. Yep. Yes. But or we they were ready and they just didn't act like they were ready. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I think it's the latter, but we don't have to get into that. Uh, so we we pull pull back from this TV, and we see a dad is asleep in the living room, and a, and he's got like a plate of food and a dad. A, yep, a dad. We don't, we, <laughs> we don't know. Like it's an just, animal or yeah, something. A good a good old American. A dad. domesticated dad. So we 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 see this dog. I think it either licks the plate later or it's like eating on his thing. But then we follow this dog through the ho- through the house and it goes room to room and kind of introduces us to all of the characters. We get our first glimpse of all of them. <laughs> Did you say dog? Yeah. <laughs> well, no. The first I, I said a dad is asleep. But oh, then okay, we see okay. a dog. I didn't right, even you. catch that it introduced us to all the characters. But that's totally what the dog did yeah, there. Yep. Yeah, it, it went just, into every bedroom yeah. and we see. 
we we meet our characters yeah. while they're sleeping you get a sense that the dog is the uh, guardian as they rest yeah i actually had a different reaction when i saw this i went i know exactly what's going to happen that dog is possessed mm. and that is what's driving this but then i realized that um what i was thinking of was the uh title sequence for the show goosebumps and there's a moment when the g is flying by and it flies by a dog and then its eyes glow hmm. but uh yeah so i guess that's what i was thinking deep of. cut there yeah a little dun, 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 dun. that's what the goosebumps theme dun, is dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. all right so then while this dog is going uh it goes into the oldest daughter's bedroom, and she is got a bag of chips in her bed. And the dog takes the bag of chips and spills them all over, leaves crumbs all over the bed. And I was thinking, I, I should probably ask, ask them, uh, what are you guys' thoughts on uh, eating in bed late at night? <laughs> eating chips in bed? Well, not just chips, just eating in your bed or having crumbs in your bed. Any? Uh... I think having crumbs in your bed is super gross, but eating in your bed is fine if you can somehow not make a mess. Yeah, I eat in my bed quite frequently, but I don't, yeah, I I do don't eat chips and shit like that. Like yeah. There are just some things where it's like, I'm going to regret that later when I lay down, you know? Yeah, there are certain things where it's like, yeah, you, you just kind of know that you can't eat it there because yeah. there's just no way that you're not going to. Not yeah. a monster. Um, are, are you guys uh, night eaters? Were you like. Yeah, I always get hungry around like or, 10 to midnight. Yeah, I wish I wasn't a night eater. I, 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 guess, I guess that's not what I meant. I meant more like a sleepwalk eater. Oh no. No, what? no, definitely That's not. Like, no. I night no. eater. I don't think I've ever actually sleptwalked in my life. I've or sleepwalked in my life. I woke up somewhere one time and I'm convinced I sleptwalk, but uh but no, I I've I've met people that will like can't have food in their room or like it, this person specifically was telling me about candy. He couldn't have candy in his room cuz he would wake up and just be covered in wrappers and he would eat candy in his sleep. Really? Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. At least he, he just, unwrapped it. He just he wouldn't just like eat it well, sometimes, and all. sometimes there'd be like melted chocolate on him and mm. stuff. Like he just mindlessly would reach for it while he was asleep if that he left it sound, in his room. Uh, you know, probably has very expensive uh dentist bills. Yeah, oh for sure. And I'm I'm kinda my, my theory is that's what's going on with Dana, the oldest uh daughter. I think she uh think she's a sleepwalk eater hmm. is my theory anyway so uh the youngest child carol ann this blonde little girl is woken five up five years old yep she is woken up and walks towards the she goes downstairs and walks toward the tv set in the living room which is still showing the static we saw at the very beginning uh, with her face nearly pressed against the screen, she begins to have a one-sided conversation with the TV. Uh, she kind of raises her volume after a while, and it wakes up her entire family. Uh, and they all kind of come downstairs and are just very shocked and unsure what is going on at this confusing sight. So that's kind of our, our cold open. Cut to some credits where we get uh, Steven Spielberg's name. He produced it as well as wrote it. Um, so we get an extended credit sequence as it shows a new housing development 
It's very uniform and sprawling across a valley. Uh, and then we are, as the credits continue, we move closer and see children playing, people tending to their yards, just like a classic suburbs-style uh, housing development called Cuesta Verde, California. In Cuesta Verde, California, I don't know if that's the name of the development or the city it's in. But uh, the where where they claim the homes are modern and comfortable, is what mm. they say. Uh, so uh, the the names of the characters, I'm just going to go through them super quick. So we have Steve Freeling, played by Craig T. Nelson. He is the dad, and he's a successful real estate agent who works for a firm headed by Teague, spelled like League with a T. That's his boss. Uh, who is a developer that is developing that neighborhood. We kind of learned that down the line, but I figured I'd just you know say his name up top so I don't have to explain it later. But Steve lives in one of the Cuesta Verde homes with his wife, Diane, played by Jo Beth Williams, and their three children. And Diane is a babe, dude. She is a hot mama. Yeah. I, I actually wrote down to like look up what else she had been in because she looked fa- no <laughs> to look she, up her nudes for later. no because she looked familiar but it, it must be from television I didn't have enough time she to hadn't look into it. been in and really anything else that I recognize super well yeah that's how I felt and she's in her seventies now because the eighties were a long time ago now yeah so they they live in that home with their three children teenage daughter Dana the one who is eating the chips and is a suspected sleepwalk eater. And uh, and the preteen youngsters, Robbie and Carol Ann, the young blonde girl. Uh, she's not a preteen youngster, but Robbie, I think, is. I think he's around like 12 or something. Yeah, I thought like 10 or 11. He's, he's, a, he's a wee lad. He's, he's very afraid of things. Uh, so once the credit are done we see a sweaty man biking down the street carrying a 24 pack of beer under one arm uh he <laughs> this guy this is a pretty funny scene yeah i like this guy uh i actually really like his outfit uh he's wearing like green adidas track pants uh and like a lighter green pastel t-shirt he looks just hammered he's uh yeah <laughs> he's like sweating through his shirt and uh just glistening with a fucking 24 pack of beer just kind of swerving all over the road on his bike. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely on a mission. Um, but yeah, seeing him, it made me think I need more track pants in my life. Um, when I when I was a kid, I actually hated jeans and didn't wear jeans until like sixth grade and wore exclusively track pants. So I think I need to go back to that. I also wore a lot of track pants as a kid. I don't think I ever had track pants. Do track pants have to be have buttons on the side? No. No. Uh, just some of them do, and some of them. Some of them. Yeah, those, th- those are like tearaway tear pants. Yeah. 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 And what those exactly are a is that? Different. Those are those are warm up pants, and then you tear them off, and you have like running shorts underneath. It's to keep your muscles from getting cold when you're getting ready for the race. Oh, yeah. I thought it was for like sexy time like you gotta go fast and you're watching yeah you could Could be for that what one thing that sucks about track pants that i remember in elementary school playing like in gym on like the gym floor in like dodgeball or something and then you go sliding on your knees and it will it will burn the track pants into your skin 
and then it will and then it will be really shiny around the hole <laughs> i know the feeling yeah yeah it's uh. it's pretty pretty awful so anyway uh so the sweaty man is biking down the street he passes a group of children one of them being robbie our preteen uh prankster from the uh from the freeling family <laughs> so they're sitting on a curb with a few rc cars once the man has passed them, they laugh and start driving their cars after him on his bike. Uh, they, they're driving both cars alongside him, and at a certain point, they swerve both of them in front of him, causing him to kind of wipe out, but like kind of gracefully. He, he does fall and like, like kind of nail his nuts on the bike. <laughs> but uh, he doesn't like Classic. flip over the handlebars or anything. But he kind of nuts the bike and drops maybe like a fourth of his beers into the street. Um, some of them are are beyond repair, but then other ones he scoops up and they're just spraying beer everywhere. And he has a big bundle and runs inside with it with the beer spraying everywhere, which is not that's not a good thing to have in your house. I've had that happen and it uh, makes your walls shiny and sticky. <laughs> Hmm. Just like the hole in your knee. Yeah. No, I remember. <laughs> Shiny I remember and sticky. When I was a kid, I dropped a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper in my kitchen, <laughs> and it exploded and sprayed all over the wall. And I like didn't tell my mom, and then she's like, "What the fuck <laughs> is this?" <laughs> literally, like we had to, like it stayed like that for a long time. You had to like repaint it to get rid of it. Maybe she thought it was a poltergeist. Could be. Uh, ectoplasm all over the wall. She's like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and then ten years later, she sold the house. <laughs> uh, so the man runs inside the house with the beer spraying everywhere. We find out that this is the house we saw from the beginning. It is the Freeling clan's uh, spot. Um, and he, he runs inside, runs through the back door, and joins his friend, one of them being the father, Steve. Uh, and they're all hoot- hooting and hollering at football on TV. Hooting and hollering, hooting and hollering. Uh, and then we, go, we get to see upstairs, Diane is cleaning the kids' room and discovers that Carol Ann's pet bird has died. Tweety. Where she says, Tweety, couldn't you have waited for a school day? I liked that line. Because huh. it's easier. She could have replaced it, you know? Yeah, that's very dark. But uh, so then we're back downstairs. Uh, the men are confused when Mr. Rogers appears on their TV during the football game. Uh, it's revealed that the next door neighbor is on the same signal as their TV and remote. So when they use their remote, it changes the TV in their home. Was that like a common problem back then? I actually, like... I actually meant to look that up and I didn't. So for for the listener, uh, if you want to look that up, uh, I think it's true. Because yeah, they were like in a feud over like, like it was clearly like a long running thing that they had the exact same clicker and it like operated both of their tvs to a very annoying degree and yeah um so steve goes over and tries to convince him to keep the game on but uh they just kind of get in a duel of flipping channels back and forth with their remotes like tim was saying 
Uh, back upstairs, Diane is about to flush Tweety when Carol Ann walks in. Uh, right as her mom is just dangling the corpse over the toilet. <laughs> um, and then while this is going on outside, Robbie, the, the preteen prankster, is climbing the tree in their backyard. Uh, Carol Ann wants to give Tweety a proper burial, so Diane helps her put together a cigar box. Uh, filled with uh, Tweety's corpse, a flower, licorice in case he gets hungry, and a photo for when he is lonely. (laughs) Um, Up in the tree, Robbie sees some ominous-looking clouds in the distance coming towards their neighborhood. Um, They bury Tweety, and Carol Ann asks for a goldfish. Quick turnaround on her being sad to just wanting a goldfish. (laughs) Um, so she fucking killed Tweety, dude. Maybe that's one theory. Um, so later that night, the kids are getting ready for bed. Carol Ann has her new goldfish at on her bedside table, and Robbie looks out at the tree as the storm he saw is starting to heat up. Um, the children are put to bed. Carol Ann asks her mom to turn on the closet light, which seems to be a common thing. It's kind of a night light. It's like, don't forget to do it. She yeah, makes and, a big thing out of it. And her mom apologizes because she did forget. She's like, oh, my bad. I'll turn it on. Um, So now that the kids are asleep, it is time for the parents to smoke weed, read, and watch television. Yeah, the parents get super baked and chill. Super baked and like goof around with each other. Yeah, it was actually kind of kind of endearing. It was kind of yeah, nice, I, kind of kind of intimate. Why can't my parents be that cool? You know. Yeah, I like to imagine that was my parents doing that. You know, just goofing, a, goofing around and getting high and reading a book about Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah, that was that was interesting to me that he was like smoking weed, but then like reading like a biography of ronald reagan yeah yeah super weird maybe he was i don't know researching the enemy i don't know no he he might be a libertarian where he uh he likes smoking weed but he hates poor people Mm. he was rich um so diane feels that carol ann may be sleepwalking they're kind of discussing the night before when she woke up and was looking at the tv um, so Diane thinks that or a, a night eater is in good. That's Dana, but yeah, Car- Carol Ann uh, may be a sleepwalker, and then she tells this anecdote that she used to occasionally uh, sleepwalk as a child, and t- like is laughing and telling a story about her sleepwalking four blocks into some guy's car as a kid. Oh yeah, and she like wakes up and yeah, and then and then <laughs> and then like everyone thought that this guy abducted her and like they tested to see if she was like sexually assaulted and stuff and oh, she's yeah. like and just he was, telling like, this and... she's just telling this and laughing about it she's like the poor guy they searched me for hickeys <laughs> it's like that's kind of it's kind of dark it was the reefer man yeah, that was that was wild uh and she she says quote i was so embarrassed <laughs> like what <laughs> Was that was that after she got a nice little chuckle out of the construction workers cat calling their daughter? No, that's later. Okay. That's the next morning. <laughs> okay. Um so Diane also reveals that she is worried that Carol Ann will sleepwalk into the pool being dug in their backyard. They're uh 
digging a pool. It's going to be a big one. Yeah, and the dad talks about like Olympic diving and is just goofing around. Uh, so then back to the kids' room, Robbie is having trouble sleeping as the storm ramps up. He's also scared of this horrifying clown that is set up in a chair at the foot of his bed. Just staring at him. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't say whose decision it was to put it there and why they can't just... Yeah, and he seems to not like it, so it's strange (laughs) that it's like... (laughs) It's in his bedroom, yeah. We're fucking keeping it! Yeah, you made me buy it, now you need to look at it every night when you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So he is kind of... You can tell he's freaked out about it, and he... uh, he attempts, well, he he does throw a Chewbacca jacket over it so he can't see it. So <laughs> much it Star Wars like, and then swag. It looks, then it looks like it has Chewbacca's face, which is almost scarier. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. <laughs> yeah, he did have, they did have a, um, a C-3PO light switch play, yeah, I which think, I was super I jealous think that's, of. that's, uh, you know, Spielberg and Lucas were buddies. So. Yeah, there's so much uh, Star Wars shit everywhere. And was, it was, was very popular. It was that, very popular yeah. in the seventies, so it, it makes sense that a child would have that. So yeah, Robbie is scared, and eventually we see Robbie uh, at the door of his parents' room. Well, well, his mom's like holding a joint, and his dad's like kissing his mom. Kind of strange thing to walk in as a kid. But yeah, uh, they're kind of like about to engage in foreplay. Like they were goofing around. Yeah, they were having a good old time. Uh, so he, he talks to his parents and the dad brings him back into his bedroom and Robbie tells him that he doesn't like the tree out outside of his window. Uh, his dad reassures him that it is an old tree that has been there longer than their house. He's like, Jesus, son, what do you fucking like? <laughs> yeah, he's super rude to him. Uh, no, he's a great dad. Um, but he tells Cousin, him that yeah. the tree has been there longer than you know their home when his company built it uh and he says it's a wise old tree that is there to protect them and robbie says quote it looks at me it knows i live here uh and he's worried about the storm and to calm him down his dad steve teaches him a trick to figure out how far away lightning is Uh, he pretty much teaches him that if you see a flash of lightning you start counting until you hear it and so you would go like one, two, three, and then you would hear it, and then you do that again later. And if the time elapsed between the flash and the noise is longer, it means the storm is going away from you. If it's shorter, it means the storm is coming toward you. Which isn't very good science, but you know it's a nice idea. I think it's I think it's fairly well. Yeah, but I mean, sound. think about how big some of those storm clouds are, and well, it's like hundreds of miles. Yeah, long. and there could be lightning happening one direction and another direction. Yeah, but in theory, if it's in the distance coming at you, it would work. But if you're in the middle of it and it's happening on both sides of you, then it wouldn't work. Yeah, but it definitely I, it definitely calms the kid down. Well, what he, he he's totally into it. He's like, yeah, let's give it a try. What? <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, if, if, if I was, uh, if I was, if I was freshly baked and my, my kid said that the tree was looking at me and it knows <laughs> that I live here, I would be like, can I, I think I'm going to stay in here tonight. <laughs> yeah, I actually, you're freaking me out, Johnny, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, trees are a little freaky, but I, that, I'll, I'll get into that later. I live here. Um, so that night, uh, 
cuts to later and it cuts to just the two youngest kids sleeping in their bed with them. They clearly couldn't handle it and decided to sleep with their parents that night. Um, so they're all sleeping in the bed and then we hear the Star Spangled Banner again and the TV is signing off. It's at this moment that uh, Carol Ann awakens again and, and starts walking towards the television and starts talking to the white static again in their bedroom. Uh, everyone is still asleep and we see like a ghostly manifestation of like a hand erupt out of the television screen and then it's like this wispy white thing that's hanging out and then it shoots like a beam of light like toward the ceiling where the ceiling and the wall meet in the bedroom. Um, and it's at this moment that an earthquake, like a violent tremor, just begins to happen and it wakes everyone up. Um, and then they're kind of freaked out about what hap- what's happening and Carol Ann is standing at the TV and she turns around and says, they're here. Super fucking creepy. Um, I really like the use of like the lightning and the TV static like on people's faces. It, it it like it it's a very nice look and it it definitely reminds me of uh, the use of electricity in Twin Peaks, which happened later, but uh, very similar mm. to like Firewalk with Me, um, the 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 use of of light flashing lights like that it yeah. kind of reminded me of that. This is uh, definitely a time before um, epilepsy warnings. Oh yeah, for I was sure. thinking <laughs> about that too. It was lots of strobe going on in this movie. Yeah. Um, so the next morning, we see construction work being done in their backyard. Uh, we get a quick shot of a bulldozer that has unearthed Tweety's grave, and it's just Tweety's shoe boxes, cigar boxes, just being tossed around in a pile of dirt. Poor Tweety. Yeah, kind of a yeah, kind of ominous. It's ominous. Symbolic, also, kind of a yeah, yeah foreshadowing. Very uh, foreshadowing. The symbolic. dead being dug up. Um, Spoiler alert. Or rather, the lack of that. But anyway, uh, Steve is on the phone trying to figure out about the earthquake, but no one seems to know what he's talking about. Like, he just seems like a crazy person. And, yeah, and I like how... Did you notice that he said, like, the, he's like, yeah, you, I can't believe you slept, slept through a 6.5 or, like, whatever. Yeah. Like, Yeah, um, yeah so then uh, during breakfast, they're kind of talking about... I don't know. They're just goofing around. The kids are goofing around. And a drinking glass inexplicably breaks, uh, just kind of shatters out the bottom, which is a very scary thing to have. I've had that happen to me at work, where, like, just the bottom falls off a cup that's full of liquid. Oh, God. But uh, it's when the bartender uh, cleans a cup and then fills it with cold liquid. Mm -hmm. Hot Uh, glass, cold water? Yep, exactly. But it's spooky when you're standing at a table holding a cup and it, the bottom falls out and it splashes all over their table. That happened to me like twice. Um, so uh, after this happens, um, Robbie finds that his utensils had been bent, like super weirdly bent, like his spoon and his fork. The two older children kind of run off to school and that's when that thing Tim was talking about where the construction workers cat call uh, like the high school age daughter and the mom just watches and laughs from in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, you. These yeah. guys are disgusting, too. Well, they got she... like yellow teeth and uh, 
uh, when yeah, the daughter like creatively flips them off. Yeah, I think that's why she was laughing. Is she's like, oh, my daughter can hold her own, you know. Yeah. Um, she's because, supposed to be sixteen during. It, yeah. Which uh, it pretty young confirms that guys. it's creepy. Yeah. yeah <laughs> pretty young for those grown ass men. <laughs> yeah. So so that happens. The children left, and then. Uh, uh, at this point, Diane's cleaning off the kitchen table, and she asks Carol Ann what she meant when she said, they're here. And she answers, the TV people. Another very scary. It's always scary when a child. Yeah, and children are definitely a good horror tool. Yeah, because like, they, they don't naive, know that it's weird. The naive way that they describe some things is very scary. <laughs> it's very loud. The yeah, naive was... way that they that they describe some things is very spooky. A little, yeah. little jump scare for the listener there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll fix it in post. But uh, so the kids head off to school. Um, and while Diane is cleaning off the breakfast table, she uh, she exclaims, ah, I told you guys you need to push your chairs in. And she pushes all the chairs into the table. Uh, while this is going on, uh, Carol Ann is staring at the static on the TV, which... She must have found a channel that's not a thing, but it, it's not like the sign-off thing because it's the morning, so it's a little confusing. But uh, she's just staring at static on the TV. And then we we cut to upstairs, and we see the dog is going nuts up in the bedroom. Uh, and it kind of gets Diane's attention, and she's, like, watching the dog. And the dog is just standing on their bed, like, barking up at the wall slash ceiling, like, where it connects, uh, which happens to be the same spot that that beam of light uh went last night and diane just thinks it's really weird kind of does you know it's one of those things you don't think too much of it but it's just kind of peculiar but then uh when diane returns to the kitchen all of the chairs are pulled out again uh and she she kind of accuses carol ann or rather asks her if she did it and pushes all of the chairs back in and then in a single cut with, in a single shot without cutting the camera follows her from the dining room into the kitchen where she like goes in a cupboard under the sink and then goes right back into the dining room and uh all of the chairs are stacked up on the kitchen table kind of a very creepy like, like a house of cards almost yeah it's just i wonder like, if this is the first movie to do that because i know that that's like a uh, trope now in in horror i see it i, all, I think so all yeah the time. uh that it's in the sixth sense as well um which is well after this when movie. she yeah that was 99 97 yeah, something like that um but yeah uh yeah i, I think, think it's that, in like the conjuring too i'm pretty sure or uh, i think i think it's an insidious I don't know. I, yeah, I, I could be wrong, but I've seen it a, a ton of times. Yeah, I do think that this may have been the first or one of the first times that this was used. So all the chairs are stacked on the table. I really liked the reveal on that. I thought it was one of the one of the coolest parts. Um, and then, so Diane asked Carol Ann if uh, if that was the TV people that did that, and she says yes. She's like, "Can you see them?" And she's like, no, can you? And it's like, oh, scary stuff. Yeah, that is a little spooky. Spooky. Usually I think of children as being able to see them. Yeah, she can't see them, but she can sense them and hear them through the TV. But uh, 
So then we get a quick scene of Steve at work. We see what he does. He's trying to sell a home to a couple. Uh, it's one of the new homes in that neighborhood. Uh, we we find out he's kind of the, the lead salesman for the company. He's like one of the best. Uh, and he lives in the neighborhood, so, you know, very relatable. He can tell him about his experience living there and all that. Uh, this is also the first time we hear about the different phases of the neighborhood being built. Uh, the couple kind of asks, like, oh, this is phase one. I hear about phase two and three. And it's, like, different sections of the neighborhood that were built at different times. And then after that, Steve arrived. Steve is driving home, and he arrives home. As he is driving towards his house, we see a storm in the distance. Uh, as he pulls into the driveway, Diane rushes out to show Steve something that has been going on in the house. She's super excited about it and just like, come here, you got to see this before it stops. Um, and they enter the kitchen, and there's like a bunch of chalk drawings on the floor, like a, like a circle and some arrows. So at first, the ghosts kind of are playing harmless tricks that amuse Diane. And Diane and Carol Ann discovered that there's an area in the kitchen where if you set something on it, an unseen force will pull it. Um, they start with a chair, and then they kind of... They upgrade uh, to the baby. Yep, then she shows the... Uh, she gets very excited about that. She, like, plots it out on the floor and everything, and... So first she shows uh, him the chair moving across the floor. And then uh, next they ramp it up with Carol Ann wearing a football helmet. And she's uh, like painted out like sections on the floor. Like she's like circled where to start. Yep, yeah, like, the chalk drawings on the floor. Yeah. She's got like diagram of where it's going to happen. This part uh, surprised me because it, it it gets going almost right away. Like yeah. With a, like you usually, you know, it, it's it, it's about like the halfway mark where finally they realize, oh yeah, like okay, like they they believe that something's going on in the house, like you know. Yeah. But th- this one, it's like within the first like fifteen minutes. Yeah, they she already shows know them that pretty the house quickly. Is haunted. Yeah. And the haunting is not trying to like trick one of them into thinking it's like not ha- it's not gaslighting them. Like they can both see it. Yeah, everyone everyone knows it is known. Yeah. So Diane convinces Steve that the phenomenon is real um, through her demonstrations. And then they decide to run over to the neighbor's house and ask if they have been experiencing anything strange as well. Uh, While they're doing this, they're being bit by a bunch of mosquitoes, which their neighbors are like, what? That's never happened to us before. And then upon returning to their house where they just kind of looked like lunatics and nothing's happening next door, uh, Steve announces, nobody's going in the kitchen until I know what's happening. Uh, That night, there is another terrible thunderstorm. Uh, Robbie is in his bed counting how far away the lightning is, but this time the lightning is getting closer. Yeah, and then suddenly... The gnarled tree that knows Robbie lives there and watches him uh, breaks through the bedroom window and grabs <laughs> its arms and grabs him. Yeah, super cool. And pulls him out. First jump scare of the movie. Yeah, well, I, w- I would argue that the chairs being stacked was the jump scare. But there is no sound. Oh, she screamed. I don't know. It it's a half jump scare. 
I'd have jump scare. Like when the daughter grabs her like back of her shirt and she's like, Oh Jesus. Yeah. Um so Robbie is grabbed by a tree through the window. Uh, however, it's merely a distraction used by the ghost to get Carol Ann's parents to leave her alone. Uh, Carol Ann is sitting on her bed with that clown. She's like laying with the clown in her bed. And once everybody gets outside, um, the closet starts glowing. And did then, the, did the cl- I was under the impression I could be wrong, but I thought the clown like tell because like so there's lightning flashing during the scene, and then I thought that like it just flashed one time and it was in her bed, or is that or was it always there? Uh, that's a good question. I it, if so, I I missed it, but it, it could be. I mean, it's usually in the chair at the foot of Robbie's bed. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I kind of thought. I thought it yeah. just like it it was in the chair and then it flashed and then it was in her bed. Yeah. It, I don't know. It, yeah. It very well could have been. I, I, I missed it if it did. Yeah, I was, I was closing my eyes the whole time. I was so scared. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I really liked the shot from the floor when the closet's glowing and then all of the toys start slowly rolling toward it. Yeah. And there's like creepy, like toy sounds like toys, uh, turning on and stuff. Um, and so it, it just seems like some sort of gravitational pull is like pulling objects into the closet and it's just glowing super bright. Um, and essentially is, we find out it's trying to pull Carol Ann into the closet. Um, uh, so then we cut to outside and Steve is trying to rescue Robbie from the tree and he's being essentially like eaten by this tree. Like, he's, like, halfway in it and is like, help me. The tree's just, like, gobbling him up. Uh, and at the same time, more stuff is flying into uh, the cl- the k- children's bedroom closet. And we see Carol Ann hanging on to her headboard for dear life. Like, she's, like, holding on to it. And it's, like, it's, it's like a tornado. She's just straight up being pulled into it. And outside, we actually do see a tornado. Uh, in the distance and the family believes that is what caused the trouble um with the tree grabbing their son (laughs) oh it only (laughs) just barely touched down yeah it's like it must have missed us but and and they think that until they realize that they can't find carol ann uh the yeah the closet is now filled with everything from the room including both beds completely flipped up blocking left her upstairs the daughter was just like oh i must have left her yeah well i mean their son was ripped out of their window out of a tree i probably would have ran for the the son myself but uh uh so they so they start pulling everything out of the closet and they get to the bottom of everything and they see a child-sized figure under a blanket and they're like oh god there's like a there's like a beat like there's a moment when they're like it's her she's dead it's her body and they take the blanket off and it reveals that it's that creepy fucking clown. And they all kind of laugh for a moment. But then they decide to search. They they then go to search the entire house, uh, including the pit for the new swimming pool that Diane uh, earlier talked about how she was worried about her like falling in and drowning because there's like rainwater pooling in it. Uh, and they leave Robbie in the house, so they're they're searching through the pit, and then Robbie begins to hear Carol Ann's voice calling for their mother, uh, coming from the television. 
Um, and then Diane, the mom, comes back in and she hears it as well. And she's like, oh, here you are. You're in this room. Where are you? And then Robbie's just horrified by the TV. And uh, she like goes to try to console him and then hears it coming from the TV and realizes, my God, she's in the TV. Um, which this is totally Stranger Things season one totally stole this whole story. Like, are you guys familiar? Yeah, with I was thinking. Yeah, I was. One? I was thinking of bringing that up as well. Because actually. because the the little boy goes missing in another dimension, and the mom can talk to him through using electricity, and then he's like, "There's a monster in here with me." It's and like, a it's, tree like eats him up and covers him in goo too. In Stranger Things season one. <laughs> really? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, sort of. I mean, they like go through that like portal in the woods and stuff, and it like has a, like the you know like the kind of blight coming out of it from the upside down, and I guess I it, don't know if that's season one. I haven't seen emulate, season one. I think you I've know, only seen season this, one. This this uh, decade, I think. The 80s. Oh yeah, it's 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 so, like a love letter to the eighties. Is what makes sense. In. Yeah, but I mean, it was just so on the nose of like this movie. Yeah, it was like it should have been very, called Poltergeist Four, similar. possibly. Yeah, I don't know. I did think that um, the mom in Poltergeist didn't seem as upset as she should be about her daughter just like well, up th- and missing. I think that she just full heartedly believed that she was in there and like that it was her. So she was, she was, she had comfort in knowing in where TV. she was. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like she was just missing. It's like, I know where she is. I'm going to do everything I can to get her out. Um, But I also just want to back up for a moment. Um, So a a couple weeks ago, I was uh, watching and discussing The Lord of the Rings with our friend Jordan. And uh, the movie The Two Towers was on. And I kind of gave my feelings about the Lord of the Rings, which I've never finished the trilogy. I've only seen through the two, the two towers. Really? And then we were watching it and I kind of realized as we were watching it that I'm like really scared of the ants, like those tree people. <laughs> um, yeah. Something about their roots, like they're like their toes. It's super weird. And then we started talking about it. Like, I don't know, like me being afraid of trees <laughs> and I kind of, I kind of, we boiled it down and found that the root was uh, the Wizard of Oz I saw when I was a little kid. And there's those trees that throw apples at Dorothy. Uh-huh. And it scared the shit out of me as I thought you were going to say the evil dead and you were scared that every, well, every tree was going to like rape you. Yeah, that's another, that's another prominent scary tree thing. But I, yeah, I, I kind of realized that one of my biggest fears is like a tree grabbing me. So like this watching this movie after having this conversation two weeks ago was so weird. Like it was like it was like I don't know. It was so scary. It's dude. not a yeah, it's not a bad fear to it have because it'll surreal. never happen. But uh, but yeah, I mean yeah. And after that day too, another weird thing. After we I had that conversation the next morning. Uh, some Instagram account I follow that like shows like old like bad B movies. It was like this clip of like these trees attacking people <laughs> and like ripping them apart. And then there's this part where like the tree like lifts up its its uh, trunk and like smushes the head of a child. And it's super weird. I have to show you guys that. But yeah, so 
super weird that the the tree grabbing was in this movie after uh that that, that whole scene was like the climax of a normal movie like that would have been like the like yeah. end like scene but this is just like the beginning and this yeah, it was movie, just which ramping is pretty up. crazy so it's not this movie isn't like a uh it's not it's not your run of the mill horror movie it's almost like a, I thought it's of almost it as like a, an adventure movie. Yeah, I was going to say, like I thought of it as adventure. like a fantasy movie. Yeah, because fantasy. Because I, I didn't think it was scary at all. In the sense, like, I didn't feel no, any fear. All, yeah. And I am normally a huge wimp when it comes to watching horror movies. Like, it potentially might be because the, the, I feel like the effects didn't age super well. Some of them. I, the, I, some I, of them I actually kind of like the effects. The, hand, cool. the tornado looked like ass, and the, uh, the, the, the wispy the hand, ghost yeah, stuff. Yeah, the, the, the wispy weird. hand looked, looked terrible. I, I, I did like it, it looked cheesy, but the later when they open the door and all the stuff is flying around the room. Oh, yeah. I thought that that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought that I looked, looked pretty I good. I like the monster that looked like a fucking like, skeletal pterodactyl or whatever. Yeah, the beast. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, the effects not super great, but not as bad as like, you know, other movies from around the, this time. So then a traumatized Steve meets with a small group of parapsychologists from UC Irvine. Another hallmark of the 80s, parapsychology. Uh and these parapsychologists uh no, no, no. Steve stating that we just need to find our little girl. Uh, so the the parapsychologists all agree to go to the house to check it out. Uh, the They are Dr. Lesh, Ryan, and Marty are their names. And they are awestruck by the manifestations they witness in the house. Uh, while they're present, Steve shows him things that they've never before seen. Uh, he opens the door to the children's room to reveal that toys are flying around. That little clown is sitting on a bed that's like spinning in place. And it's what we were just talking about. Yeah, everything in the room is over. just floating in a circle. Yeah, and like the closet is glowing and it's just... And right before this happened, uh, Ryan... Like they don't need any convincing, just like, uh, you know, and every character in the movie really doesn't need to be convinced because it's so obvious that's you know something fucked up is happening that yeah they're, they're on board immediately yeah and right before they open that door ryan one of the parapsychologists describes this like his like crowning achievement as a parapsychologist when he when he filmed a matchbox car uh moving across a floor seven feet over the cl- course <laughs> of seven hours and he he called it fantastic uh, and he's like, of course, you you would never register under the naked eye. But with time-lapse footage, uh, he was able to capture it. Some high-tech shit, time-lapse footage. And this is this is right before he opens that door and all that stuff is spinning around. Um, so to, to say the least, the parapsychologists were kind of humbled, I guess, in what they, uh, I don't know. They kind of hashtag hilarious. Yeah, they they thought that they were, you know, had found some stuff in the past. But really, this is the... The real deal. So then after that, uh, they have some coffee and we see uh, Dr. Lesh was her name. She's like shaking as she drinks coffee, clearly shaken by what they saw. Um, it's kind of uncomfortable. Uh, and <laughs> there's that moment when she's like, well, we can't determine if your house is haunted yet. And the like coffee pot flies across the table. Uh, and so then she starts explaining the differences between a poltergeist and a haunting. 
And essentially, a haunting is a place being haunted. But a poltergeist are usually associated with, like, an individual. Like, poltergeist, I guess, like, it's more of when you think, like, someone needs, like, an exorcism. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, attached to a person rather than a building. Right? I think that's the most boiled down way to say it. But, uh... They determine that it is a poltergeist that is in their that they are experiencing, and they tell them that they don't tend to last forever like a haunting does. So they so it creates a ticking clock for them to get Carol Ann back safely because it could just abruptly end, and she'll be gone forever. Take them with her, take her with them. Yeah. Um, so after that, Diane attempts to talk to Carol Ann to show the parapsychologists like that they can communicate with her. Uh, and she does make contact with her and they are able to pick up her voice on their equipment as well as it's coming from like the static channel of the TV. Marty, the guy with glasses. That uh, guy is so funny looking. Yeah. He, he's, he's very skeptical. Wait, is he the same guy as the reanimator? The main character in that i think he might be but um he's skeptical and kind of he goes upstairs because he thinks there might be a like a broadcast from inside the house is how they're doing it like he oh he thinks that yeah he thinks they're tricking him so he goes he goes to inspect it and runs upstairs um when he goes upstairs instantly gets raped by a tree (laughs) no that's scary man (laughs) um so right as he exits a bunch of silverware and like a pocket watch falls from their ceiling in their living room uh and the group witnesses several paranormal episodes uh while they hear carol ann talking to diane through the tv uh, they start to hear these pounding footsteps of some terrible force uh where and uh carol ann is like there's something in here with me. And it's like trying to hide from some sort of monster in, in whatever dimension she's in. And right after this happens... Which is also pretty similar to Stranger Things. Yeah, that, that's like the exact exact plot of the first season. But uh, So then Marty comes back downstairs and he's injured. And he's like, something took a bite out of me. Um, and something bit him. Uh, it, it, it's that force, you know. They they think it must be that force that they heard the footsteps of. Uh, because of this, they all determine that they should sleep downstairs for the night. Uh, the parapsychologists have a small meeting trying to figure out what is happening. They explain that since the TV isn't receiving a signal, it is free to pick up all sorts of things. Uh, Dr. Lesh also explains to the family about the light because Carol Ann said she sees a light and she kind of explains the whole thing like well there's a light and sometimes spirits get lost and they don't make it to the light and that's like what I don't know what hauntings are and all that in theory they're in purgatory exactly they're 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 trapped in this in this world and they just need to go to the light and they will have moved on but spirits in theory might have like unfinished business or just be like a, a bad spirit that wants to hang around. They just want to play some games. They want to stream Donkey Kong <laughs> for 12 hours. Yeah. 
And then they'll give, then they'll finally, you know, loose their mortal coil and move on. Uh, so they all sleep downstairs, and later that night, Marty goes into the kitchen to eat some food. Uh, he finds a chicken wing and a steak, which he places on the countertop. Um, while he's eating the chicken wing, he hears something behind him and turns around and sees that the sna- the steak is moving like a slug across the counter. Oh, yeah. This might be my favorite part. Yeah, I'm like remembering this. this. Yeah. And he just looks at it with in disbelief while he's got a chicken wing in his it's mouth. It's like as rare as it, it's as rare as it gets when it's yeah. still squirming and around. The angle of his face when he's got this chicken wing in his mouth, he just looks so ridiculous yeah, in that it's, light. It's from like a low angle and it's just like, the chicken wing's like front and center. He has like these big fucking Google eye glasses like. It's like a total dweeb. Yeah, like thick bubbles. Uh, and so the steak is slugging around. And then from the center, all of a sudden, it starts just, like, producing these, like, intestines, guts-looking stuff out of the middle of it. And he is shocked and opens his mouth, and the chicken wing falls out of his mouth. And when it hits the ground, he looks at it and sees that it's infested with maggots. And it was it's just kind of a hallucination, I think. I don't think it actually had maggots. But uh, but he runs to the sink anyway. Yeah, he rushes to the bathroom because he's going to throw up because he just saw that and he thought it was in his mouth. And then he suffers kind of a even more terrifying hallucination where he, like, starts tearing his own face off in the mirror. Yeah, n- another, you know, cool bit of um, yeah, practical this, effects. Yeah, this one's practical, so it looks good. Yeah, I mean, the others are to CGI. an extent. I mean, there's, I mean so yeah, there's, it's clearly fake, but I mean, it looks better so, than a CGI so, thing. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. So it, um, they made it like what was clearly like a like mold of of his head um, of, and of his face. Um, but he starts like peeling at his actual face and then it uh, kind of cuts and then goes back. And um, it's clearly not his, <laughs> not his actual face. It's like the wax mold or whatever that, that he's ripping at. But he starts like picking at his eyes and like ripping off his flesh, and there's like a skull, and you see his teeth and shit, skeleton yeah. underneath, and it's kind of gory. It looks really cool. Yeah. But uh, that the the one scene where it's him actually picking at his real face and then going back, and then it's the prosthetic, it's like pretty jarring. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's yeah for sure. His face. <laughs> but it's it's cool though. Like when he starts tearing at his flesh, it's pretty dope. Yeah, definitely body horror elements with him picking at his face. Um, So while this is going on, Ryan, the other male uh, parapsychologist, isn't paying attention. He's listening to music. But the camera equipment that they have set up starts detecting something upstairs and points upstairs. And just this glowing light is coming from upstairs. And like this fog starts rolling down the stairs. Um, everyone eventually sees it happening and they all watch in awe and this like wispy like ghost looking entity appears and it it looks like a galarian cursula did it not tim fuck is that a little bit yeah definitely it definitely looked like a pokemon of some sort uh it's a pokemon that's like a it's like a tree looking coral thing since when do pokemon have two names uh, well, it's from the when they Galarian having region. Re- yeah, when they started having regional variants. Oh, yeah. okay. Yep. So Galarian is the area that it comes from? Yeah, from Galar. Yeah. 
Oh, Galar. Okay. Yeah, Galar yeah, is a, the region. Yeah, Corsola. Yeah, the Corsola there is is a ghost yeah, water. But this it's, is a it's Corsola, been killed by climate which change. Is the, uh, which is the evolution of it. Gotcha. So it's a rock with a ghost coming out of it. It's pretty trippy. Yeah. Um, which, if you are playing Pokemon, you shouldn't evolve your Galarian. Uh, Corsola because it actually gets weaker if you evolve it, even though it looks cooler. I don't remember the specific status. Oh, to Corsola? Yeah, something like it's. I think its defense drops significantly. It gets like weak armor. I think it's called or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, so back to the movie. In reviewing the tape, it looks like there are ghosts coming down the stairs at the camera. Uh, which they were able to capture on film. Uh, so the next morning, the parapsychologists leave, with the exception of Ryan, uh, and they they're admitting that they need more help on this one. It's a little, a little bit more than they're anticipating. So they take the footage and the objects that fell from the ceiling, but Doctor Lesh assures Diane that she will come back with help. Uh, later that day. Steve, uh, Steve's boss comes over, uh, Mr. Teague, the league, yeah. league with a T. Uh, he comes over to their house and is trying to talk with Steve. He wants to bring him somewhere. While he is there, he's like looking around, but Steve's trying to hide what's going on to him. Yeah, he so- wants him to come back to work because he's been taking <laughs> some time off. Yeah, I think he just wanted to have a short meeting with him. Well, because it would well, no, because uh, Steve <laughs> mentioned like having the flu. And, like, that's why he's not back at the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, I don't think he was trying to pull him for a day at work. He just wanted to have a quick meeting yeah, with him. Yeah, okay. Um, so, while uh, Teague is there, he, uh, Steve's trying to hide it from him. And they're, like, in the living room. And the piano is, like, moving behind him. And he, like, just, like, pulls his boss out trying to keep him from that. And then, as they're leaving, the, like, front door light glows super bright just all these things, but um, Mr. Teague, or Teague, I don't know if that's his first name, but he he kind of notices, but doesn't piece it together. But he then brings Steve to a new lot where they're going to start development on phase five of this uh, housing development. Um, It is on a cemetery grounds, and it is revealed (laughs) that Steve's company has built over cemeteries in the past, even where the Freelings live now. Uh, whenever the company needed land to build or extant, expand housing communities, they'd move the cemeteries, coffins, headstones, and all. Uh, as the two walk by this cemetery, uh, while Teague is telling Steve this, uh, and he tells him that he can have a brand new house in this spot with a big, large bay window overlooking the valley, yeah, and and this and he acts he acts really like uh, happy. He's like, really, uh, I can have this, and like, who the fuck would would be like, oh sweet, I can live right next to the cemetery or yeah. like on the cemetery. Yeah, at at that point, he didn't. I could live in this Indian burial ground. I think I think he didn't reveal that it was going to be on top of the cemetery. But then he's like, oh, what about this? And like turns to the cemetery. No, he was like, he was like, yeah, look at you'll be right here on this hill. He's like, you can see all this. Remember? Yeah, and that happens, but then he turns around and goes, oh, what about that? And it's the yeah, cemetery yeah. behind him. Um, oh, that. 
Oh, well, if you're going to make a big deal out of it. (laughs) So Steve remarks that the house can't simply be built over a cemetery. And Teague tells Steve that the company has actually moved whole cemeteries before. Uh, They dig up the coffins and move them along with their headstones to new locations nearby. Um, Teague then reveals that much of Cuesta Verde was actually built on the location of relocated cemeteries. Uh, Steve seems quite astonished at the news, stating that that's sacrilegious. I think this is a missed opportunity for that to be like a red herring. Uh, and it was actually something like fucked up with like one of them or like something that they did in the past. Like you think it's like, oh, it's the graveyard that the house is built on. Yeah. And then there's like a plot twist that no, it has nothing to do with that. You know? Yeah, I could definitely see that. That'd be a good, uh, good red herring. A little twist Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in this uh, conversation, uh, Steve decides, well, I guess it's okay until someone complains. And then Teague goes, well, nobody has complained until now. Uh, Cut back to the house. Shaken and overwhelmed, Dana leaves to stay with her friends. Shaken and bacon. Uh, The Freelings also send Robbie to his grandmother's house for his safety. So the kids are all out of the house. Uh, It's just the parents. And then the parapsychologists return and they bring a spiritual medium, Tangina Barons. Oh, I like this character. Uh, she's she's a, funny. She's a tiny woman who uses her psychic sensitivity uh, to kind of determine what's happening and find out facts about the disturbances before they like tell her. Is like, tiny woman the proper terminology? Isn't I, it halfling? She's diminutive. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, no, she, she's just a tiny woman. Yeah, I think she is just a tiny woman. Yeah, she's just a little, little lady. Just a little guy. So, uh, Tangina tells them that Carol Ann is alive and in the house. Uh, she is able to determine that the kid's closet is the strongest point of origin. According to Tangina, the spirits haunting the home have left this life but have not gone into the spectral light. Uh, They're stuck in between dimensions, watching their loved ones grow up, but feeling alone, causing them to feel lonely and even angry. Uh, Carol Ann was born in the house and has the strongest connection to it. At only five years old, she gives off her own life force that that is as bright as the light. It distracts and confuses the spirits who think Carol Ann is their salvation, hence why they've taken her. So they're trying to get to the light, and she's such like a... Like an innocent young child that was born there that has so much light inside of her that they are drawn to her. It's like sea turtles after they hatch. They see the light of the city and they think it's the moon reflecting off of the water. And so they go the wrong direction. Huh. Interesting. I didn't know that about sea turtles. Yeah. It's very fucked. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, so Tangina also warns everyone that a malevolent spirit also exists in the next dimension. It likes that the spirits are confused and lost and uses Carol Ann as a distraction so they can't move into the light. Tangina says it lies to her and tells her things only a child can understand. To her, it is simply another child. To us, it is the beast. Oh. So, 
After realizing the entrance to the other dimension is through the children's bedroom closet, Tangina instructs Steve to be firm and tell Carol Ann to go to the light. Diane is really upset and refuses at first because she doesn't want to lose her daughter. And uh, she's like, what? Don't go to the light. Like, she doesn't want to lose her. But it is just a, uh, like a, like a plan of Tangina. She wants her to get close to the light so that the spirits will see the light. And then her, she can move away from it. So she's trying to reorient all of the spirits into actually finding the light is her motive behind that. Uh, so Tangina tests the dimensional portal with a few tennis balls that uh, they throw into the closet and then they, they drop through the living room ceiling where uh, like the pocket watches and silverware were. Uh, it works and they form a plan by tying a rope around a live person who can enter and presumably exit the other side with enough time to grab Carol Ann. Uh, Again, stranger things. Yeah, they could bring her back. Tangina intends to be the one to go into the light, but Diane insists, saying that Carol Ann will only come to her mother. And there's a fun little uh, conversation they have in the moment. Uh, Tangina says, but you've never done this before. And Diane's like, neither have you. And she's like, uh, you're right. You can go. (laughs) It's like acting like she, she knows what's up, but. Uh, so at the last minute, they instruct Carol Ann to move away from the light to, and to not even look at it. Uh, they send the rope through and have someone holding it on both ends with the rope going through the portal. When it comes out of the portal, it's covered in like a weird jelly substance, like an ectoplasm. Diane ties herself to the rope and right as she is about to enter, she kisses Steve before departing uh, with the rope around her waist. Diane goes into the portal and Tangina coaxes the agonized spirits away from Carol Ann and into the real light. While Tangina is in her trance-like state, telling the lost spirits to cross over into the light, Steve panics and pulls on the rope, meeting the beast face to face. The beast like appears out of the closet and like screams at him. Looks pretty cool. This is the you see the beast in the, at this part? Yep, yeah, it, just its giant face appears out of the closet. Oh, yeah, yeah, that part was sick. That was a really cool practical effect. It was like a massive head, right? That's this yep, part? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like a skull-looking head. Yeah, bigger uh, than, you know, like, bit bigger than, you know, about as tall as, like, the doorway that you have yeah, in your it, house. But, it was like a closet door. It yes. filled up the whole doorway. Um. So he Steve is face-to-face with the beast, and he lets go of the rope. Diane then falls through the living room ceiling, and she is holding Carol Ann, uh, and she's got new streaks of gray hair, presumably from fright, um, which is a which is a a thing that like a like a kind of an urban legend that kind of was going around at the time. I've I've seen it referenced in like other movies, like when you're scared so your much hair your hair white. turns white yeah the uh, hair that's already grown scientifically i don't think that that is a sound uh theory but i'm not a scientist um but so essentially diane and carolyn come out of the ceiling and they're both covered in ectoplasm but they aren't breathing uh in an attempt to revive them steve picks them up and brings them to the bathtub and starts like washing them off uh, 
They both eventually start breathing, and Carol Ann greets her father. Which, is, yeah, as one does when one isn't breathing. <laughs> Put him in the bathtub and start washing him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That. Wash them off. They're too dirty. Um, so after Steve revives both of them, Tangina pronounces that this house is clean. This house is haunted. Are you kidding me? Wow, this is crazy. <laughs> this is so haunted. This is so fucking haunted right now, dude. So we've we've reached the climax of the whole movie. We're in the downswing. Uh, after that night, the family is packing up all their belongings to move away for good. They're planning on leaving later that night. Uh, Steve leaves Diane alone with the children so he can go and talk to Teague who uh, is presumably trying to get Steve to reconsider leaving because he's his best salesman. Which is reasonable considering the last time that you left your children or your child alone and got sucked into the television set. Well, the, 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 <laughs> the spirit, lady did say the, the house spirit was is gone. Clean, Every, yeah. Everything's back to normal. This is like the epilogue. But they're still on the cemetery. Whoa, spoiler alert. Well, no, right? I mean, everything, I thought all this stuff was built on cemetery land, right? So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of uh, trying to divert people from thinking, think, I don't know. So anyway. Wait, uh, but that was, but there's more though. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so later that night, everything is back to normal. Diane takes a bath while Robbie and Carol Ann are getting ready for bed. Uh, Robbie tries to put his jacket over the clown at the foot of his bed, but this time he misses. Yeah, why is the clown still at the foot of the fucking bed? Like, they, like it seems like he wants it there really bad. Like, yeah, I don't know. He just likes the rush, dude. <laughs> I th- it must be a parent putting it there, or maybe it goes there it- itself. It belongs there. <laughs> it pulls up a chair every night and <laughs> t- pops a squat and stays. Elf on a shelf. Clown yeah. on the down side. <laughs> so he. Uh, down comforter rather um so he misses with the the jacket and lays his head down to sleep at a certain point he hears a noise and looks back towards the clown's chair and it is gone the clown is gone he is horrified and starts looking around like where it could have possibly gone he looks under his bed doesn't see it but when he raises his head back up, the clown is behind him and grabs him from behind. Classic jump scare, a diversion, and then it hits you when you went back in 1984, probably least expected it. Yep. Uh. And so the clown doll has come to life and pulls uh, Robbie under the bed. Uh, Diane, who is relaxed. And this fight sequence is rated as one of the scariest uh, movie moments of all time. Really? Which I did not get at all. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, that The uh, little fun fact really quick. Uh, the child actor um, said that, that uh, the, the clown arm like malfunctioned and act- he was actually being strangled during that scene. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, because it wraps around his neck. Wraps around his neck. It's like a big. Yeah, it's like it, his arm extends yeah. into you know big like noodle arm and wraps around his neck and chokes him. And the kid said he was actually being choked. So cool. or that's the rumor at least. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So while this is happening, Diane just completely comfortable. She's taken a nice bath uh, to relax after the the previous night's uh, crazy shit that happened. No boobs. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, I forgot that segment. Sano's uh, uh, 
boob checker. <laughs> There's no nudity. It's close, but she's uh, she covers up her she's covering up her boob. Yeah, it does arm. come close. So I went uh, frame by frame. We no, waited. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Nathaniel, Mister Skin of our podcast. <laughs> um, so so Diane is relaxing in the master bedroom. In the bathtub, in the, I guess the master bathroom, and she hears her son. In the sc- masturbation, she hears her son screaming. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, she hears her son screaming and tries to investigate, but uh, she's like pulled against the wall and then up to the ceiling by like an un- invisible force. Uh, looks pretty cool. She just gets like kind of thrown around the room. Tossed about um. um. They they chuck her around, they chuck her all over the ceiling like um it's actually kind of interesting because like they looked like they probably used a set that um had basically a floor and wall that was made to look like it was upside down yeah well, it's a revolving well how room. they do it yeah it's yeah. a room that revolves the camera stays fixed but the room spins so she's able to so go on the wall the wall the wall, the wall becomes the, the floor and then the oh ceiling so she actually does tumble about okay. yeah yeah it's they just create a room set they that's how they do anytime you see uh, a movie where someone you know is that fixed on like a giant mechanical arm then or I think it's probably like those uh, those big tunnels that you can run in like a hamster wheel. Okay, for sure. It's totally like that. Um, so she can't get to her son who is screaming because um, she's being thrown around the room. And then we see Robbie who is, who is able to rip the clown off of him and then just like rips it apart piece by piece. Like he just like rips at its abdomen he's like yelling like like, die 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 yeah really i like somehow did not see that part yeah he he rips the clown to pieces uh but while this is going on the closet starts to glow again um and you know the it's starting to pull things in like it did before but this time like a weird like mouth like border appears around it like a gooey like it looks like a mouth uh, and it is trying to suck the children in to the closet. Um, Diane tries to get to her son and daughter. Um, she gets away, like, off the ceiling. And so she is, she uh, runs to the hallway, and they do that really cool effect where that, like in the movie Vertigo, they do where they have the camera moving, but they're zooming as it's moving. So it, like gives you the feeling oh, of like called, the yeah. hallway extending super far oh yeah uh, it was it was uh it, like it was H or something it was used in the movie vertigo to give you the feeling of being afraid of heights uh, it's like looking down a staircase and hitchcock did that mm-hmm. where it looked like it's just expanding super far but so diane runs down this hallway right when she gets to the door um the beast itself appears as like a skeletal demon like this like spider skeleton thing and it blocks the door and lunges at her which causes her to fall down the stairs um at this point diane runs into the backyard to seek for help from the next door neighbors but she slips into the freshly dug swimming pool yeah because that fat piece of shit next door is going to be able to do so much to help her fight this giant (laughs) yeah demon Uh, he, he comes in clutch it's called the dolly zoom by the way yeah not what i thought it was called so because they probably have it on a dolly yep it's you zoom in while it moves on a dolly 
Um, so because <laughs> they're zooming in on a clown dolly. Sorry. Um, so she slips and falls into the freshly dug swimming pool, uh, where like we mentioned earlier, a rainstorm has kind of filled it with rain and mud. So it's like just like a, like a small pool, but she falls into it. And as she's trying to get out of it, a bunch of coffins start emerging out of the soil and like popping up and like skeletons are grabbing at her. And it's all of the, the people that were buried on that land. This scene is where the uh, real life curse comes from, stems from this scene right here, uh, which we'll, we'll touch on after. But yeah, a little little tease. Um, so she's stuck in this pool as all these skeletal corpses are grabbing at her. She can't get out, and then suddenly a hand reaches for her and pulls her out of the pool. It's that piece of shit neighbor Tim was talking about. Uh, he actually does save her out of the pool, mm. and. Uh, because they heard the commotion. She takes his good hand and he pulls her out. Yeah, another scary movie to uh, quote there, if that's what you were trying to do. But uh, and so she gets out of the pool and she's like, "You got it. You got to help me." Like go in the house, but they look up at the house and it's flashing lights. This like ghostly energy is just clearly going strong inside the house. So the neighbors refuse to go with her, but Diane still runs back into the house alone to get Robbie and Carol Ann. Um, and actually, this is when the uh, the dolly zoom happens, when she's running to the doorway. Uh, so she gets to the room, she's able to open the door, and she finds Carol Ann and Robbie barely able to hang on uh, to their bed as this thing is sucking everything into the closet. Uh, they're pretty much dangling by their bed frame like Carol Ann was when she was initially taken. They're hanging on only by their hands. Their, like, feet are completely, uh, just like, it's like a tornado again. Um, this is another scene where, um, just, 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 uh, like, special effects are really good, but, um, like, during a, a film made in today's era, there, there would have been just CGI used, um, but back then, so like when she's like um, flying into the closet, you know, holding herself like totally mm-hmm. vertically. Yeah. Like it's just a close up of her face going like, ah, and like hanging onto the bed. And then it, there's a shot of it like uh, from farther out. And it's clearly you're like, okay, that's a doll. She's yeah. Just with, like, <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the little girl, it for sure is. But there is there's a really cool shot of when Diane actually bursts through the door and she immediately gets sucked. And I think it's... Uh, like they must have had the root, like the ceiling being that because yeah. she, when she opens the door, her like feet swing and she's immediately being sucked and it looks yeah, yeah. really, it looks really good. So she's holding on for dear life. So are the children. And she asks Robbie to grab her hand. She's reaching for him. Of course, there's like a minute of, I can't reach you. No, just reach. Mm. And she's like, grab my hand. And then with your other hand, grab your sister's hand. And Robbie's able to grab his mom's hand and then reach for his sister. And they're able to all swing out of the room and close and the door. And then with that hand, grab me a beer out of the mini fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did miraculously make that human chain. and Yeah, they were able to... She pulls them to safety and they run from the house. While they're running through the house, a bunch more coffins and bodies begin exploding out of the ground throughout the house. Uh, the father, Steve, pulls up in his car with Teague as a passenger. And they both see 
the dead bodies erupting from the ground. Uh, Steve recalls the earlier conversation he had with Teague, uh, where it was revealed that their housing development was built on the site of a relocated cemetery. Uh, it is now obvious to them that Teague actually never really relocated the cemetery. He just moved the headstones. Oh, that's so Teague. Yeah. And realizing, Teague, why would you do that? Realizing this truth, Steve, uh, Steve yells at him in anger and he, he goes, You son of a bitch. You moved the cemetery. You left the bodies, didn't you? You son of a bitch. You left the bodies and only moved the headstones. You only moved the headstones. And it was that second uh, son of a bitch that got him the PG rating. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> this movie was definitely a, a PG-13 nowadays. There's yeah. weed smokage. Yeah. You know, suggestive themes. Yeah, definitely. Back in the day, PG... Uh, it's pretty much a. It's like the top. A lot of R's would have. A lot of PGs would have been rated R and all that. Yeah. Good old rating system. There are boobs in airplane, which is PG. Fun fact. Mm. Coming from a uh, little little uh, Mister Skin side yeah, note there. Yeah, Nathaniel. <laughs> Nathaniel's Mister Skin's footnotes. Um. So the freeling. And that's the skin. Mister Foreskin. Sorry. What? I said, and that's the skinny I'm at. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start asking you to give us the skinny anytime we... Uh... <laughs> that's, uh, that's, oh, that just sounds uh, Let's up. hear the skinny. All right, okay, so the Freelings get into Steve's station wagon, and they start to drive off. Bodies are flying all over the place, like on the hood of the car. It's at this moment that the oldest daughter, Dana, arrives in her boyfriend's car. And is hysterical over what is happening to the house. Uh, Steve tells her to get in the car and tells them to not look back as they peel out of the neighborhood. Uh, the beast grows so angry that the house begins to fold in on itself and like implodes into a single point, and the portal like sucks the whole house into the other dimension. As like the neighbors are just onlookers watching this happen, as well as Mr. Teague. Uh, and so which the, looks pretty good yeah i thought that was a pretty does. good looking uh, special effect it does it did look really good i think good. we were far the camera was far enough away from it that it looked uh, pretty good yeah i this is like wait i guess when i mentioned the effects earlier it was more that hand it's like the first one you see that ghostly yeah hand. That, yeah the hand looks like uh it was like just a hand-drawn cartoon like yeah. it just doesn't look good but you know can't can't hate on him for that yeah so essentially the freelings get away from the housing development uh, and so the weary family checks into a hotel for the night. Uh, so they all just go into this hotel. They close the drapes, close the door. And then a moment later, the dad opens the door again and wheels out the TV because they are not wishing to tempt fate again. And they want no part in that TV, which kind of, you know, set everything into motion. Um, and then the credits roll with, yeah, the, the camera kind of pans back and zooms yeah, out. Yeah, zooms out from the from the hotel, and it eventually fades to black. And it's, it goes, uh, la, la, that, la. That's actually in the very last few seconds. So oh, there's okay. children singing for the credits, <laughs> but then at the, at the... Well, actually, yeah, they are going la, la, la. But then at the very end, what I was going to say is in the last few seconds, they all start giggling. And it's <laughs> super fucking creepy. 
But the yeah, the la 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 reminded me of the Rosemary's Baby song. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Must have been a, you know, the the thing to do back back in the day. Yeah. And hit him with the la la's on the way out. Yeah, la la's out the gate. Or, I guess out the gate means the beginning. I don't know what I'm talking about over here. But uh, so the children's laughter is super unsettling. But uh, yeah, that's the movie. Um, Pretty abrupt ending, I I would have to say. I was surprised that that was the last shot, but I I kind of wasn't because the the first conclusion did kind of trick me for a moment. Yeah, oh, where they move and you kind of think that they're like wrapping it up and then oh, that didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah it, so this movie had like three, like literally three climaxes almost. You know, I mean, there was obviously the one final one, but there were three yeah. large. Like big, big set pieces that yep. happened. Saving the daughter. It was like beginning, middle, and end were both like big set pieces, which is why I was saying earlier, it's definitely not like a traditional horror movie. Um, there really, it didn't really build any sort of suspense at all. Like there's really no dread or terror at the, at, during this movie, I felt. Yeah, it pretty much presented things like, straightforward. Yeah, it like Tim said, it was like a, a fantasy almost, mm-hmm. like a, a dark fantasy. But A beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, so what did you guys think of it? Did you... I enjoyed it more than I expected to. I I really like the plot and the story of it. Like the writing on it, I, I I just really liked the story, and it wasn't that the execution wasn't like the execution wasn't bad. It just like I feel like the idea of it is more so the thing I liked the most, like the little girl hearing stuff through the TV, eventually being sucked into the TV, um, and it being because they built on cemeteries, like that was solid. I really liked that, but then like the action with like saving her and stuff it wasn't bad but it just was like i don't know i feel like my favorite part is the idea of it if that makes sense yeah i really like the characters um like especially the minor characters like the uh the medium they bring in Tangina? super super yeah super zany um funny high voice um yeah. she does have a very a very high pitched voice i i don't think that this lines up but she reminded me of that uh that woman in the Korean restaurant in Always Sunny that, like, dresses like like Kim Jong-il. Do you know what I'm talking about in that Always Sunny episode? <laughs> yeah, when they're trying to steal the recipe. Uh, they're trying the to recipe. steal the recipe for their beer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. She had a similar look to, to that woman, but I don't. it doesn't line up. She would be so much older when that came out, you know? It's true. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part about it was definitely the effects. I felt like it was almost just, like, a showcase for special effects at that time um i didn't so i know it's not this movie's fault it's it's all the movies that came after it but i don't like the 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 trope of a medium coming in i i just think it's so played out but obviously this is an 84 so. well yeah and and in the 80s that kind of stuff was having a resurgence yeah like so, all the psychics and the so everything. like anytime i see like that happening i'm like ah, because you know what's gonna happen you know like well, which is the same reason why they they even go to a parapsychology professor i mean by the 90s that shit was completely dead like universities mm. are all getting rid of their parapsychology if they still had it 
Oh, they had parapsychology as in, in colleges? In, in, some pl- in some places, yeah, they did. That's fucking badass, dude. What if you had a degree in fucking parapsychology? That'd be great. Then your degree would be worthless. It would be worthless, but that'd, be, that'd just be like a... I'd, I'd hang that degree on, on, on my wall for sure. It'd definitely make you an interesting historical figure for sure. I yeah. Mean, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, but um, so yeah, I really like the practical effects and the special effects. I think it did a good job of. Um, I mean, you, I, I could definitely, um, definitely see Spielberg, Spielberg's influence on that movie, and I could see some shots where I'm like, ah, that looks almost exactly like a Spielberg shot. Like even yeah. in, the, in the intro with the guy carrying the beer when like he fell and there's a shot of like the beer spraying out the bike yeah, tire spinning. That, I'm like that's a, that's so Spielberg. That yeah. whole opening of just that guy wiping out and the kids messing with him that was very much like mm-hmm. uh, and like the Spielberg parents movie. the parents like talking and shit in the beginning. Yeah, like getting like a good like family bond and like I don't know. Yeah, um, I liked it. I didn't love it. If I had to give it. You know how? What do we do? Do we do boob to or how? Do we do ten out of ten boob uh, we tubes did, or five? We did five. Tubes? We've done. We've. So done. I would give it. I would give it. What have? Wait, wait, hold on. What have we done? We've done uh, dishes of chocolate mouse. Uh, oh, I can't remember any of these. What was the Passion of the Christ one? Dead Tweeties. Yeah, it could be Dead Tweeties. Um. And I will say the, uh, the the scene where like how how quickly the the that the girl just disappears like that was still like cool and surprising to me. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I I like, didn't see that coming. Oh shit, the girl's gone like right away, and like I thought it was cool how it, it didn't you know it, it like it wasn't like a traditional horror movie where you have to convince people and. And stuff like that is right away. There's this huge set piece where this kid just gets grabbed by a tree and like, oh, it's a dream. No, it's not a dream. Yeah. It's actually happening. Yeah, I like that. Um, even though it kind of followed the trope of like, you know, of course, the one who sees it first is the woman, and then she has to like convince the man. The man didn't like you said. It didn't take like they didn't have this whole thing where he like doesn't believe her, and she's like, no, it's real. I swear. Instead, yeah. it was like he sees it too right away, and he's just kind of like. Well, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like you know he he comes home and yeah, that was that but that part definitely surprised me too. Because that's like, like that's like definitely like a sexist trope like in horror movies. It's yeah, like, like oh it's the like woman's that crazy. The woman is, yeah, and, and then she always has to convince the man like yeah, and it's always like she tries to do it and then it doesn't work. You know. Yeah, yeah. And she like, just looks crazy. Yeah, like the spirit basically gaslights her and yeah. like doesn't show. Not in this movie. She's like, check it out. She does it and it just works. And the guy's like, holy shit, believes yeah. it right away. And it seems almost fun at first. You know. Yeah. It's like not scary. It's just like, whoa, look at this crazy thing in our house. Yeah, because when she shows, when she p- puts her own daughter down and she goes like, whoa, like when it works. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. What, what do you guys? How do you guys want to rate it out of? Uh, what should we do? Should we do rapey trees or should we do mm-hmm. boob tubes or uh, suggestive themes? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, let's do steak slugs. Oh, okay. okay. Or, or give it. Yeah, I'd give it three and a half. How many, how many chicken wings? 
Yeah, just like totally. I'd give it. <laughs> there was three, a chicken wing. Yeah, I'd give was. it three and a half out of five steak slugs. It was. It was good. It was better than I expected. I expected that I was gonna really dislike it. Um, you know, it was. It provided me with um, nourishment for the brain. I feel as though. I tend to see things differently because I so strongly like don't believe in paranormal stuff and don't like that stuff. So like in the beginning of the movie, I was kind of set on the idea that maybe like in my head, the parents actually fucking murdered, you know, like John Bonet style, like murdered their daughter <laughs> and they were what? trying to convince everybody that there was like a ghost. <laughs> But there so clearly was from the beginning. Yeah, what? You see it right well, away. Yeah, but I mean, there were also like some moments where like, I don't know. I, I don't think there were some moments of doubt. It was like, this is what's happening, you know? I don't know. In the I first mean, 10 it, minutes, could be, I was it, like, it could be a huge twist. Like, yeah, no, like oh, I was, was saying, like they mentioned the you know the graveyard, and you're like, yeah, oh, of course it's more. that. But really, it was like something terrible that they did in the past, come back to haunt them or something like that. That would have been a cool like little. Yeah, I mean the resurgence process. of the graveyard where they like you know actually showed like the rising of the. That was almost kind of heavy handed. Like it was. Oh yeah, I mean it. It shows its. It it, it definitely shows its age at, at points. And the climaxes, I you know, like you said that uh, the 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 clown attack scene was rated one of the scariest scenes ever. Like I never, I not one time felt scared during this movie. Yeah, like yeah. like I'm a kind of person who has like trouble like going to sleep with the lights all off, like you know, and shit. Like don't don't <laughs> fucking laugh. Like like I'm saying like after after too. certain after certain scary movies. Like I remember I slept with the lights on like like. When we saw in when we saw in middle school, we saw the Poughkeepsie tapes, and honestly, that movie probably wouldn't be nearly as scary now. Yeah, but I just think like that one's supposed to be fairly like, scary. But I thought I it was. I, I, I thought it was, on YouTube. But. I thought it was scary as shit when I watched it in Amos's basement, like in probably like ninth grade. And I shit you not, for like two or three nights, I definitely slept with like the lights just on in my bedroom, like. <laughs> Because I was just like so paralyzed by fear, and yeah. So anyway, this movie it didn't do that for me. I slept like a sound little baby, and it just it, yeah. I felt during it felt, the it felt movie. Like, no, not during the movie. It felt like a <laughs> fantasy movie. Um, oh, uh, real quick, I don't want to interrupt you, but I have a suggestion. Our rating system should be: How many corpses would you build your house on? Mm. Huh. Mm. Are these corpses that I hid there and I'm now using the house to cover them up? Uh, no. These are were already there when you brought, bought the property. Okay. But the more corpses that you build your house on, the scarier it is. You know? Yeah. Not... Well, well if... I mean... So, it, I'm confused. <laughs> Just give whatever rating system you uh, want. Is it my turn? Uh, no, Tim is still going. I interrupted him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, three, three and a half corpses in a, is a nice amount of corpses. I like the idea that there's a half of a corpse. So originally there were four. You know, <laughs> it's just that I've I've buried the other half corpse somewhere else, likely to confuse the authorities when they find me. Again, Burn you up. didn't kill them. <laughs> it sounds like you want to be the one that killed them, though. No. We're just talking about Poughkeepsie tapes. So I would give this movie four um, 
coffins out of five. Although if we were going on a ten up to a on a ten scale, I'd give it a seven point five. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of somewhere right in the middle between a three point five and a four. I'm gonna give 3. it. I'm gonna 7. give it seven five. You can do three point seven five. I'm gonna give it a three point seven five. You know, um, you know, uh, I I I thought it was really. I thought it was well done. I yeah, thought, I would I, agree with that. I thought. Uh, I mean, you know, if it watching it back in 1984, I could see how this is this is like a blockbuster movie. Because it did what it was trying to do, and it did it well. Um, but again, just some you know minor quibbles that I think we've already touched yeah, on. It was probably a summer smash. Yeah, summer smash. I think it was a, probably a great time at the movies. I mean, like I could put you know going uh, going you know to the to the movies you know with with your girl and yeah, driving you, buy, you know drinking there a with soda. Mary Jane Rotten Crotch, and you buy her a soda <laughs> and uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then you hit the you hit the then, roller rink and fucking yeah, smoke yeah. some cigarettes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think it was you a, I think a fight I, with the greasers. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, I'd like to watch The Conjuring um, sometime soon and see how much... Because I, I feel like I'll, they took a lot from this movie, but it could just be the creepy clown that I'm thinking of. But I feel like they took um, a lot. So I, I don't know. I'd like to, I'd like I mean, to watch that and see how similar... Do a saga similar. of movies based on creepy clowns. Good. Oh my god, the Terrifier is a great one. That movie is fucked the up. The Terrifier is fucked up. So you did three point seven five. Yeah, I'm gonna give it three point seven five for sure. Nice. The fuck is the Terrifier? I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, I definitely kind of agree with the points you guys have made it, and also like I said earlier, I really like the the concept of it, and I don't think it was poorly executed. I think it was well done, but I feel like the idea is my favorite part of it uh the effects though some were dated that i feel like they they still were pretty strong part of the movie i do also like how it just got right into the action and i'm also a a, a big fan of crts and static looking stuff like that so that was cool (laughs) love static (laughs) yeah but uh i think i'm gonna split the difference between you guys tim had a 3.5 and you had a 3.75 so i think i'm gonna do 3.625 3.625 We should just do this out of, out of 10 or 100 yeah, I'm going to do a 3.625 Corpses <laughs> underneath My new um, My new home So hopefully Actually you know I think there might be 3.625 corpses Underneath this home based on what's been Happening to me recently oh. Our studio is haunted And that Is real <laughs> and that's some real shit going on right now dude yeah so really Life's quick i just hard, want to touch bro. on the, this is this is this is uh considered a uh so you, are you done with your review so this is considered a cursed film um pretty pretty well known uh curse i would i would argue that it's just a lot of tragic things happened um and it's Pretty pretty sad to be honest, but we'll go out on a uh, terribly sad note here. Good. Um, so the pr- the primary reason um, people think that the film is uh, considered cursed ties to deaths of several actors that have acted in the Poltergeist um, trilogy. It's actually a trilogy, I believe. I think there's only three, and then they rebooted it in 2015. I think that's correct, but I but think Polter- the first Poltergeist one is the one, only one that's considered good. Yeah, I don't know, but um, I guess the second and third one were hits too. 
So some a couple of these deaths have to do with the the second and third ones, but um, so Dominique Dunn and uh, Heather O'Rourke are the two um, the two biggest uh, you know stars of of the movie. Dana, death. the oldest daughter, is uh, Dominique. Who what was the other name? Heather O'Rourke, which which tragically is the little girl. Oh, oh. Caroline Freeling. Yep. Uh, yep. You so, said the, tragically, so the two so I'm sisters. Guessing she died. Yeah. So Dominique died. Um, she was dating a man named John, a piece of shit named John Sweeney, and he was, uh, I guess, the sous chef, the sous chef for Wolfgang Puck. Oh. Um, he was abusive. He had a history of um, abusing girlfriends, actually. And um, how old was she when she was? Uh, I don't dating this guy. I don't know. Too young, I'm sure. Was near. Uh, well, she was she in the. She passed one? away in 1988. Okay, so it might have been. I think if she was, it was probably after the after the third one. I think. Anyway, wait. So how the fuck? Oh, this movie came out in '82, and she was supposed to be five in it. No, no. This is Dominique. This oh, is not, yeah. Okay. This is the older. Like, this this little girl is dating some sous chef at Wolfgang Puck. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> No, no. Time flies, man. Man, the 80s were a different era. Um, no, so di- so Dominique, Dominique she, is she, the older. She teenager. died November fourth, nineteen eighty-two. So okay, so after, right, right after, after this, this release, yeah, right after this released. Oh, and I actually have I have that written down here. I'm an idiot. So, and uh, anyways, um, so he was he he was abusive. Um, he and she essentially broke up with him. Um, and uh, he. How, how did this happen? I'm just trying to remember. So she she told him that, uh, or, okay, yeah, no. She laid down in bed with him, or they were in a big fight. Um, they, he, like, pre- she pretended like she was calmed down. He, like, invited her back to bed. She snuck out during the night and um, went to go start her car, and he heard it and jumped on the hood. <laughs> yeah, like some real, like, horror movie shit. And uh, anyway, she ended up getting away, ended up getting back together with him and then breaking up with him again. Mm. That's when he strangled her. Um, she didn't die immediately, but she uh, slipped into a coma and was oh, taken God. off of life support after four or five days. He ended up only serving two and a half years because the uh, um, the attorney uh, made it so like none of his past like violent history was able to be brought up during court He's like so. stricken from the record for court mm-hmm. yeah why would that matter he still murdered her yeah i don't know it's fucked up i didn't get too too deep into that but well i think i can speak for all of us and say wolfgang fuck that guy <laughs> <laughs> wolfgang go f- <laughs> go fuck yourself um let's see so the other um big major death is uh the the little girl um heather heather or heather rourke yes um, she was ill. Uh, she fell ill during the, or actually before the filming of the Poltergeist three. Um, they were treating her for Crohn, what they thought was Crohn's disease, and she was on. She was taking steroids for that. And that's what if you see Poltergeist three, um, her cheeks are swollen, super swollen. Yeah. Um, so that's why uh, she actually had a con- uh, congenital birth defect, had an abscess in her intestines, and went into toxic shock. Oh wow. Um, See, during this, uh, she passed away one morning during the production of Poltergeist 3. Gary Sherman was the director um, and was actually a palm bearer at um, her funeral. 
um, and he refused to finish the movie. Um, but MGM pretty much forced him to finish the movie. So he used a... Who, sorry, who is this? Gary Sherman, the director of the third. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, so he ended up... Um, they for, they literally, like, for, MGM forced him to finish it. And um, Damn. they ended up having to... They totally rewrote the ending, he says, quote, quote unquote, into the stupid ending that it has now. Mm. And um, had to use a body double and, like, a doll. So, like, he mm. said it was the spookiest thing or the... Like, this, like yeah, like after she passed done, filming yeah. stuff with something that looks like her to yeah yeah do you, does it say it was a he said what, it was the creepiest thing he's ever done does it say what steroid or medication was it prednisone I don't know I don't know one that causes some swelling I guess but uh so no no one from the production wanted to do the movie um no one wanted it released and everyone refused to do any publicity for it and it got bad reviews when it came out. Uh-huh. And Gary Sherman hates it. Um, so those are the big two. Um, there are two other deaths. Will Sampson, these are not from this movie. This is from the second Poltergeist. There are two deaths. Will Sampson was a, uh, the medicine man. He was a real-life medicine man. Um, he performed a real-life exorcism on the set <laughs> to get rid of like wow. whatever demons around the set or whatever. He passed away during a heart-lung transplant. These two I kept for last because I'm like, these are just like yeah. normal deaths. I mean, like, I think he was 50 through like one. So, yeah, yeah. he was young, but, you know. Um, and Julian Beck, who played the preacher, Kane, um, which I have not seen the second Poltergeist, but he's like, yeah, he was know. used during like the trailer of it. And I guess he was like, it was like a big part. He was like this creepy preacher guy. Huh. Um, and he died soon after filming wrapped on poltergeist 2 of like stomach cancer or something um the curse is said to originate from the director um toby hooper uh tobe toe oh tobe (laughs) tobe tobe hooper using um using real skeletons during the uh um pool scene during the the actual climax Uh, that makes sense because have you um read into anything of like texas chainsaw massacre uh like Mm. that that girl when they have like that that fucked up dinner with like the family and that girl is like tied to the chair Mm -hmm. they like filmed that over the course of a week but there was like no ac so it was actually like really fucked up and like Mm. really rough for them to film it Mm. and so he like put everyone through like an actual like grueling thing to like Torturous get real scenario. to get real, to get real reactions sweaty. from yeah. them um but so it makes sense that he used real skeletons because he's trying to he well yeah he, so, he's known to try to do stuff like that well so that there was a a rumor that um they used skeletons from india and it was considered blasphemous or whatever but that's religious. yeah i just um i i there is this series on shuttered called called cursed films which is where i'm getting most of this well, information from. where the medical industry still gets well no and of... and yeah they were, they were talking to um a special effects guy that worked on the movie he's like of course we used real skeletons we don't have the budget to use to use like fake skeletons yeah. all the time like yeah. the medical industry uses like you go and you get a skeleton like that's yeah. how they've done it for years that's how like, they've and always done them, it and a lot of them do come from india a lot of them are body snatched it's a very interesting and controversial supply chain oh yeah they didn't say anything about that they're just like they're like 
Yeah, I don't know. Like he was saying, like everyone uses real skeletons in Hollywood because they're cheaper. You can just go get one rather than making one from scratch. You know. Uh huh. And so, I mean, you get it, and then you like dress it up to make it look like there's like flesh on it and stuff. But it's the same thing that you would buy or that you have hanging in a science class, or, yeah, you know, or, so. or a twelve foot one you'd have in your yard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which are also made. There's a real skeleton inside those ones. Did you know that? Oh. That's why they're so popular. Oh, interesting. The skeleton has a skeleton. <laughs> no, that's not true. But every, everything else I said was true. Uh, I have a quick, just to, I, 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 I googled how to pronounce Tobe Hooper. Let's, let's, let's see. <laughs> Tobe sounds strange. Tobe Hooper. Toe, toe, toe pooper? Toe, toe pooper. Toe pooper. <laughs> toe pooper. Toe pooper. So we learned that the, uh, <laughs> the tractor eats toes. That might have something to do with the curse. <laughs> um, yeah, dang. Spooky stuff makes me want to see uh, Poltergeist 2 and 3. To see some dead people. Yeah, I do think they both. Did, I mean, they I, mean, I don't think they, they both got um, very good ratings. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, the third I, one got thirty six percent because I just I looked yeah. it up before I came here. Letter Letterbox guy uh, is not not being not kind to it. Yeah, it's got an average of two point seven for the second Ooh. one, and uh, the third one is. Oh yeah the the second one got two point four out of five. The second one got uh, 33% out of Antimina. So second one's, the third one is supposed to be the second best by, you know, a very small fraction. But <laughs> they're both supposed to suck. This is, I know you, you listeners can't see it, but this is the guy that I was talking about who died. Ooh. He has, he's like this old school preacher looking guy. I like his hat. I want to get one. Oh, that. wow. I've been, I've been meaning to get like a, like a, like a flat brim, like. Pilgrim uh, hat? No, not a, well. Not See, he's like the main guy no, on, like the the, on, the, like on the cover. The, he's like the, the main character. Oh, what the fuck? The the Holy Mountain hat. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The movie The Holy Mountain. Uh-oh. Oh, also, uh, th- this guy died, um, and they you they like masked his face before he died, and a different actor wore a mask of his face for the uh, for some shots. That's fucked up. Yeah. Or they just took his face off and the guy wore that. This is the it hat is I'm talking about. Tobe Hooper. The Holy Mountain hat. The Hell el- yeah. The alchemist wears it. Do you guys think I could rock that hat? I mean, oh, define rock. Yeah. Does it have eye holes in it so it can like go past your like... No, 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 no. Oh, because that he, would be he's, the ultimate He's looking hat. downward. A hat that like goes to like the tip of your nose and it, it just has two eye holes in it like above the brim. Yeah. <laughs> There's a white variant as well. You guys need to see the Holy Mountain. It's good. Super the good. white variant looks a little bit like a KKK hood, but not really. It's rounded. I mean, next to those goats, it looks satanic as oh, it looks fuck. Like a, it looks like a nipple now that I'm looking at it closer. A yeah, very pale you guys, nipple. You guys should watch the Holy Mountain if you, you, you like them goats. Oh, I love <laughs> them goats. Have you seen the Mendesterid goats? Uh, I have not. Um, I I, I uh, cannot look at George Clooney. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get too hot and bothered? Uh, yeah. 
Fascinating. Yeah, I really like uh, I really like that movie. It was funny. It gave me the ha-has and the hee-hees. Maybe even a few of the hoo-hoos. <laughs> a little bit of the tee-hees. A uh, little tee-tee-tee-tee-tee-tee-ta. And by the end, I know you were going, la-la. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, what, is, uh, what does Wheezy say on Dragon Tail? She goes, love it. <laughs> you did not. Whenever you do that, make sure to pull back really far. <laughs> I tried to pull it back and I didn't pull didn't pull You're back like far enough. You went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So uh, I think uh, we've got 3.5, 3.625, and 3.75 corpses confirmed under the studio. Good job, Steven Spielberg. Uh, so I think. Okay, well, how do you how do you spell Toby then? Is it with a Y or how does yeah with work? a Y T O B Y or is it T O B E Y? And sometimes I E, and sometimes T O B. Oh yeah, Toby McGuire is Tobe with a Y. All right, guys. So uh, I think that is the end of our broadcast. Our national anthem. Oh no, they're gonna make me go to bed. You gonna sleep with the lights on tonight, Tim? I don't know. This does make me think, though, that uh, that currently, or just recently, there's a Supreme Court case in India about taking the national anthem out from the beginning of every movie theater showing. Of our national anthem? No, of uh, India's national anthem. They had been playing the national anthem at the start of every single movie that you would go see in a theater. Sounds like they're living in uh, 1984. Oh, a little bit there. I'm watching you, Naharendra Modi. We know what you're up to. I'd like to see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 because I hear it just has like just a totally different tone. Like it's almost like a happy-go-lucky comedy. Yeah, like it's a, a buddy comedy. 